right. Good day wherever you're listening from, and welcome to Indoor Air Quality Radio, IAQ Radio, for Friday, December 13th, 2013. This week, episode 309 comes to you from Studio D in Central City, Pennsylvania, and joining us from Studio C in McKees Rocks is the Z-Man, Cliff Zlotnick. As soon as we get him unmuted. Always my pleasure, Joe. Good day, Cliff. Of course, at the controls is our engineer, Jessica Lawson. Hello. Hello, Jess. And joining us for the roundup will be our technical director, Dr. Dietrich Wow. Today's show, we're going to have the IAQ Radio trivia question. Then we have an interview with Tony Wheelwright, the new IICRC chairman. We'll do our halftime, and then, of course, we'll go to our roundup at the end. Before we get started, let's thank our marquee sponsors. John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at www.johndon.com. Indoor Environment Connections, the newspaper for the IAQ industry. Subscriptions and advertising information are available at ieconnections.com. Com. Clean Facts and Cleaning and Maintenance Management Magazine, your source for cleaning and maintenance news. Visit them at clean, C-L-E-A-N-F-A-X.com and cmmonline.com. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IEQ Radio when you inquire about their services and products. Okay, most people know you can stream direct from our homepage at iaqradio.com or hit the go to show link that will take you to where you can download shows and of course you can download shows from the iTunes podcast section. Don't forget we also have continuing education credits available for those interested. Email me at joe.hughes at iaqtraining.com Last but not least, please visit the IAQ Training Institute website for the most current dates for the training you trust at iaqtraining.com. Let's turn it over to the Z-Man for today's IAQ Radio trivia question. Thanks, Joe. Win a cool prize by out-competing fellow IAQ Radio listeners and being the first person to correctly answer the IAQ Radio trivia question each week. Submit your answer is easy. Either email it to cslotnick at cs.com, or if you're listening to the show live via your computer, you can text in your answer. Congratulations. To Doug Conan for a photo finish, he nudged out other competitors and was first to identify clean room as an environment typically used in manufacturing or scientific research that has a low level of environmental pollutants such as dust, airborne microbes, aerosol particles, and chemical vapors. The IQ Radio Trivia Question for Friday, December 13, 2013, has been sponsored by Triska, the Tri-State Restorers and Specialty Cleaners Association, who have been serving the needs of and advocating for their members for over 30 years. Remember, Triska is your link to industry training, certification, standards, and events. Their website is www.trsca.org. Now for this week's trivia question. 
Name the civil wrong a plaintiff's attorney will claim when false claims and accusations are made against a business or an individual's reputation in order to drive business away or when a wrongful act is used to come between two parties' mutual contract. Back to you, Joe. Very good, Cliff. All right, today's guest is Tony Wheelwright. Tony is retired, if you can call being the chairman of the IICRC retired. He's calling from his home office in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, and he just was elected past, I guess it would be November, as the new chairman of the IICRC, the Institute for Inspection, Cleaning, and Restoration Certification. He joined the board in 2009. And prior to his retirement, he ran a multi-truck cleaning and inspection service for over 36 years. He's been hard at work over the last several years helping the past chair, Daryl Paulson, engineer many of the changes that have occurred recently at IICRC. Some of those have been very successful, some not quite as successful, and some are yet to be determined. That's why we've got Tony here this week to talk to us a little bit about the past, present, and future of the IICRC. We've got some music for Tony. Tony, do we have you on the line? I'm here, Joe. All right. I, Cliff comes up with some beautiful intro music for the guests. Uh, so you're the new chief at the IICRC. What? Yep, I'm the new chief bottle washer. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, before we get started, you have a unique accent. Uh, I don't know if folks can pick this up, uh, but they can't help but notice your accent. Where do you originally come from? Well, I get that question a lot, and I used to just say, you know, I'm from planet Earth, but uh, that doesn't satisfy most people. My my British grandfather was an inventor and a Royal Navy airship test pilot. My American grandfather was Thomas Edison's patent lawyer, and he moved to the U.K. at Thomas Edison's request. And then after World War II, my parents moved to Rhodesia, now called Zimbabwe, when I was a baby. So I grew up in the bush in a remote part of the country, no electricity, no yellow pages, no box stores. And uh, when I finished high school, I moved to London, lived there for a while, and then I moved to Canada where I've lived for 45 years. And so my accent's just a mess. <laughs> I, can't I can't tell you where I came from. <laughs> You're like a, a, a mutt, uh, the mixed breed here. You've got a little bit of everything in your accent. Well, Tony, let's let's start a little bit with some, some background on the IICRC. How old is the IICRC? We just celebrated our 40th uh, year last year because it was founded in 1972. 40 years. Cliff, let me go over to you. I know you're a, you know more about this organization than I ever will. Even though I'm now part of the part of the gang, uh, but Cliff, let me go over to you for the next question. Sure, Tony. For the listeners, could you just provide a, a short history of the IICRC, please? 
Uh, I sure can. It all started when um, Ed York um, got a hold of the first hot water extraction machines and was selling them, and this was the, the new thing. It was brand new industry, and of course, everyone that wanted to buy these machines needed some training, and so very quickly he founded um, a, a training center uh, because he was selling the machines, providing the the uh, training. And uh, some of our very first instructors actually worked for him uh, in Fresno. Uh, Ron Tony and Tom Hill come to mind. And so he founded what was then the International Institute of Carpet and Upholstery Cleaning, uh, which is now the ICRC. And um, <clears throat> it's just been growing and growing ever since uh, that those early days. And... Um, I think uh, everyone will agree that if nothing else, Ed York was a visionary. Cliff? Oh, very much so, very much so. Uh, can you tell the listeners what's unique about the IICRC's corporate structure and how that has helped the, the organization's growth? Yes, uh, Ed York uh, wanted um, to have up to 20 regional associations be part of this organization, and the only state that permitted a nonprofit to have shareholders was Washington State. And so far as I know, even in Washington State, we're the only nonprofit that has shareholders. So we're truly unique uh, in that regard. And so right now there's uh, 16 associations that own shares and three original individual shareholders. Tony, let me ask a little bit about the governance model. You know, you've got this unique kind of a corporate structure there. Um, when we're, we're talking about how we govern this corporate structure, is this a model that, that was created by the IICRC, or is this something they took from someone else, or maybe a little of both? I, I'm not really sure, Joe. Uh, Cliff may know better than I, but way back in the beginning, it was actually for-profit, and then uh, many years later, it became a non-profit. But it was, um, uh, it's been this uh, shareholder-based organization for a very, very long time. But other than that, it's pretty... Um, uh, pretty normal. We have a board that is elected, and the board has its bylaws and articles that that govern the way we operate. And in many ways, it's not that different from many nonprofits um, around the country. It's what I guess what. I've had a hard time grasping is that you don't really have we I should say no we don't really have um, members we have registrants and and first before we go into that in more detail how many registrants or certificates maybe it's certificates I don't know you, you straighten me out on the on the terminology here how many are there worldwide we yeah we use the word registrants uh, because when you take one of our courses and you pass you get a certificate, so you could be called a certificate or certificate holder. Um, we have 53,700-odd uh, certified technicians uh, around the world. And there are no members, as I understand it. Those are the members, I guess. 
So, well, no. You have to think of the Institute more as a um, standards writing body and a um, certification course creator. And so we're more like um, an institute, a college, if you like. We're not an association, never have been. And that has been um, a, a, a bit confusing for a lot of people because we are by the number of registrants we have and our uh, long history, we've been very, very large. We're bigger than most other organizations. There's very few associations with 53,000 uh, participants. And we want to change that because as an institute, and this is very important, legally we're not allowed to do things that an association ordinarily does, which is to benefit their members. We don't have members, and so we're not. Our bylaws prevent us from acting like an association simply because we're not an association. And we'll get into that more when, when we talk about the the new association that we've launched. I see. All right, Cliff. Well, is the ICRC growing, declining, staying the same? And what about uh, you know fees and income? Were um, I, I guess you don't call it income; you call it what excess, I guess. Yeah, the there's um, the revenue has uh, like most other places since the the Great Recession began in 2009. We have not declined. Revenue has grown but quite slowly in the last uh, five, four years. Number of courses has grown a little bit. The number of standards has grown. And where we've seen the biggest growth is in the number of industry partners that um, not just us, many of our uh, cousins in the broader industry are also working more closely with one another than ever before. You know, that's something I thought was very encouraging, Tony. I'm I'm thrilled by that, and I, I've always advocated for that, and it's great to see all these organizations working together. Um, we'll talk maybe a little bit about that further as we, as we get further along, but before we do, I wanted to follow up on the international aspect of things. Um, how truly international is the organization? You know, I hear other organizations talk about, well, we're an international group, and they may have three or four, you know, um, other, I don't know what you would call them, like uh, divisions or um, chapters in, in other countries and, you know, five or six members from different countries. Where Where is the IICRC with respect to international? Uh, we, we truly are international, Joe, but to be fair, the vast majority of our instructors and our uh, registrants are in North America. Um, about 10% of that North American group is Canada, and that fits with the population ratio between the U.S. and Canada. But we do have an office in the U.K., we have an office in Japan, we have an office in Australia, and we have registrants from 22 different countries. We've had people take our courses in Russia, Dubai, Singapore, uh, uh Japan, of course, New Zealand, we have uh, a bunch there. In fact, we have a couple of instructors in New Zealand. And um, so we're, we're growing um, 
and we want to grow a lot more um, in Europe, uh, where we 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 don't have a lot of presence. We we're going to be bringing on two new instructors from Turkey uh, this coming year, and another two from Japan. So that's that's very exciting. Um, I've been in touch with a gentleman from Shanghai who would like to become an instructor, and another one from Singapore that would like to become an instructor. And so I like the way this is moving. You've been doing some travel, I guess, uh, to international, with the international meetings and um, conferences, etc., to try and help, I guess, move that faster. Yes, my um, my previous role for the last two years was international VP, uh, which was uh, something very close to my heart, not just because of my international background, but because I see value in other cultures, in other um, uh, viewpoints, other ways of doing things. And we can learn far more from each other than if we just stick in our own city or state or country. And there's a, there's a lot of wonderful things that have come out of different parts of the world. And uh, I think that all working together, uh, which is much easier now with the Internet, um, makes that all possible. And so I have, uh, I have as international VP, obviously, a travel to trade shows in New Zealand, Australia, um, Japan, UK. And uh, I was, uh, a few months ago, I was a presenter at the first uh, conference of the newly formed Beijing Cleaning Association in uh, China. And they are so keen on anything American. They, there is no anti-Americanism over there. They want American training, American equipment, American supplies. Hmm. And um, so we think there's a huge potential there. Um, and um, I hope uh, we, we will have a presence in Amsterdam, which is the biggest trade, sh- trade show in the world. They have 30,000 attendees from 120 countries. They have 700 exhibitors. And there will be 30 other nonprofits, most of whom we've never heard of, that will be there and I want to, to start networking with. You know, well, I'd, I'd love to go into more about how things stack up internationally, but we have so much more to cover. I think I better move on. Um, and we've talked a little bit about the, you know, the, the past at IICRC, and I'd like to get one more question in, at least on the past here. And, and that is, can you review some of the, and this is the recent past, Tony. The last two years at the IICRC, there seems to have been a lot of change. And in fact, it's part of the reason I've been personally trying to get more involved and uh, having you. And we had Daryl on the show here not long ago. And I, I like the direction I see, but I wonder if you could line up for or, or outline for our listeners kind of the some of the new things that have occurred over the past couple years. Uh, I'd be glad to. Um, about four years ago, the uh, the board uh, decided that they needed to hire a, a paid president who was uh, uh, elected from selected from a hundred applicants. He is a professional association management expert, and so he came in and he he brought a lot of information to us um, of things that we need to to do and to address uh, that we you know we didn't know. We're we're basically a bunch of carpet cleaners and restorers, not association experts. So one of the things was we need to revisit our bylaws every few years. And so in April of 2011, 
we we uh, unanimously approved the new bylaws, and some of the features of those bylaws um, I want to touch on because I think they're they're big items. Uh, term limits. You can, if you're elected, it's for a three-year term. You can be elected for a second three-year term, and then that's it. You you cannot uh, stay on the board. Um, we have, we have a policy now. Any position has to go through an RFP uh, process, request for proof, um, proposal, and uh, and that's that's put out uh, so anyone that is interested uh, can apply for that position. The other big change um, was reaching out to our industry partners, both in North America and overseas. And then more recently, as per our long-range plan that we've had for 10 years, which included buying a building, which we've just done, and launching an association, which we've just done. We've also shifted to hiring certified professionals versus uncertified professionals. And I thought it was important that as a certifying body, we encourage our uh, registrants uh, whether they're cleaners, rug cleaners, inspectors, um, restorers, to get certified as a, a mark of their uh, professionalism. And so it's equally important that our hired staff be certified professionals. Um, I don't think there's many copper cleaners that don't use a certified accountant or <laughs> a lawyer that's passed the bar exam. And, and so... It's the same with us. We need to become more professional. And then another big item is um, we're going to be publishing a peer-reviewed technical journal, which is going to bring in more science to our organization, and we certainly need to do that. So those are some of the high points of uh, key changes that I've seen over the last two years. Great stuff, Tony. Cliff, let me turn it over to you for a moment. Okay, Tony, you know, um, one of the things that um, I've questioned is the IICRC was a cleaning organization, and typically the members were involved in cleaning and uh, a little bit later restoration. You know, should the IICRC or even can it be an expert on everything, cleaning, restoration, indoor air quality, maintenance, you know, inspection. Uh, you know, whenever you add uh, just another category, it just adds so much different, you know, complication. You're, you're quite right, Cliff, and that old adage, uh, jack of all trades, master of none, is true. But we we don't have cleaning experts trying to help create our restoration courses or standards. And so um, as we grow, we can bring in experts from many different fields. And we see, uh, this is part of what I was talking about, reaching out to industry partners. We have people from IAQA, IAIHA, the industrial hygienist, um, NADCA, uh, RIA, working on RICRC committees and vice versa. So, you know, we'll we'll take the expertise any place we can get it, 
And we're very grateful for that because at the end of the day, these standards and courses are for the good of the entire industry, and that's as it should be. Tony, let me go back to the, the MOUs. You mentioned a bunch of the organizations who have these memorandums of understanding with. What, what is the importance of a memorandum of understanding in, in the big picture? That's a good question, Joe. It's kind of like a first date. You know, you're not engaged, you're not married. It's a gentleman's agreement that we're going to stay in touch at a senior level where it's non-binding. We can't tell each other what to do. We're just keeping each other informed. So if one of our MOU partners decides that they're going to create a new course or standard, they just let us know. So we know. And if we're going to do something, uh, we'll tell them. But we don't have, it's non-binding, we, we don't have any power over each other. It's just the first way to get to know each other. And then uh, some of these have developed into, uh, we're promoting each other's events on our website. We're starting to attend each other's trade shows and board meetings, um, which is important because this is all about relationships and building trust. And once you have trust uh, in, in those relationships across the, the cleaning spectrum, then you discover you can do things uh, that you weren't even aware of. And I'll give you one example. Uh, the ISSA is the big Jansan um, Trade Association. They get about 20,000 people to their trade show. So we met with their people, and they said they asked some of the same questions. Well, where do you have offices? And we said, we have offices in England, Japan, Australia, and U.S. And, and we said, where do you have offices? They said, we have offices in Amsterdam, Shanghai, and Mexico City. We said, well, great. We can help each other <laughs> because, you know, we we each have offices where the others don't, except for, obviously, North America. Mm -hmm. And then we talked about what kind of courses do you put together? Our, our courses are all about how to build a business, how to be a better businessman, how to market. What kind of courses do you teach? Our other are all technical. Oh, well, there's no competition there. Let's work together. And, and so that's the kind of thing that's just really simple. It's like, oh. We, we're not competitors. Let's work together. Let's find ways to, to help each other in, in areas where we're weak or we don't even exist. And so that's how I see this whole MOU thing developing. You know, there's I think I, I think it's great that you're doing that because you know previously the IICRC, you know, was heavily criticized for not playing well with others, and it's it's good to see that that's changed. Yeah, I agree, Cliff. Well, and that's part of the reason that um, I think people are more willing to help out when you see that kind of cooperation between these different groups. And I think you'll get a, a broader cross-section of people helping out as well when, uh, when they see that type of cooperation between the groups. I mean, the AIHA, I was really surprised to see that. Um, the American Industrial Hygiene Association, they have been, you know, they've been... Um, the big dogs in the indoor air quality and the industrial hygiene world for many years, and now we've got the IICRC and, and them working together along with this other imp impressive list of people here. The other thing you noted that has been new over the past couple of years is a new building, Tony, and I've, I've seen some you know comments here and there about this new building. I'm just curious, why, uh, why a new building? What's the intent? What are, we, what are you planning on doing with this new building? 
Okay, we picked Las Vegas because so many of our registrants and our potential association members and all of our industry partners all have a trade show every year or two or three in Vegas. There's other um, large trade shows for uh, um, building uh, contractors and all of our restoration people obviously are in the building trade. Uh, surfaces uh, it attracts a lot of installers, inspectors, and retailers who are also partners. So Vegas made a lot of sense. And this year was about when property values in Vegas for commercial property hit bottom. So it was an excellent time to get a really good deal. I mean, we got this building for about half price. And um, we felt that was a much better place to put the money than in uh, something that's paying 1% or 2% where you factor in inflation, you're actually losing money. So we have a 20,000-square-foot building on uh, 1.6 acres. It's about five miles from the airport, and it's straight down the road uh, from Bally's on the Strip. It has a commercial kitchen. It has room enough room for small conferences and meetings for um, over 100 people. It's got room for offices. Um, it's got room for training, uh, a library, a museum. I'm a big history nut, and I really feel that um, we need to, to value and archive our history. And so we're collecting um, examples of, of you know, vacuum cleaners. So I've seen one that's coming. It, it's it's hand powered. There's no electricity. This is from 1906, a Bissell vacuum cleaner. And uh, you know the very first uh, uh, pieces of drying equipment and blowers and um, carpet uh, um, installation pieces of equipment. And uh, then pictures and, and documents of uh, the founders and their background, early board uh, uh, pictures, manuals, standards. This is stuff that should all be stored in one place. And so this is a shout-out to any old-timers that are listening in. Uh, please get in touch with Joe, and he'll put you in the right place to, to get these uh, uh, pictures of what you've got so that um, we can put them on display cases in this building. Uh, the building is also going to be available for uh, small events, um, perhaps side-by-side side or before or after a big trade show like uh, Surfaces or the National Home Builders Association or uh, uh, Furniture Builders Association trade shows. Um, then there's others like RIA and ISSA and our own, we hope. So, so it's a good fit for a number of different things. Um, the building committee is working on the details, so I'm just giving you broad strokes here. Um, it's got a lot of potential, and we're going to make good use of it. I, I love the history part, Tony. I'll, I'll help out any way I can with that because uh, I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. You've got to preserve that history and, and let people you know, know where you've come from and especially what mistakes we made in the past so that we don't make them again. And uh, that too often happens. People ignore history and then repeat mistakes, and it's a shame. 
So uh, what I'd like to do here, Tony, we've got to stop and thank our sponsors, and we're going to just do a quick 90-second thank you to our sponsors, and we're going to be right back with the second half of our interview with Tony Wheelwright, Wheelwright, the new chairman of the IICRC. John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at www.johndon.com. Indoor Environment Connections, the newspaper for the IAQ industry. Subscriptions and advertising information are available at ieconnections.com. Clean Facts and Cleaning and Maintenance Management Magazine, your source for cleaning and maintenance news. Visit them at clean, C-L-E-A-N-F-A-X.com and cmmonline.com. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IEQ Radio when you inquire about their services and products. All right, we're back for the second half, and I want to make sure that I, I thank uh, Legends Environmental Insurance. They're one of our advertisers, and Gray Wolf Sensing Solutions, another advertiser, and, of course, our sponsor, from the association side, the Indoor Air Quality Association. We'll add those in when we do our editing. Let's get back to our interview with Tony Wheelwright. Tony, I, I want to make sure I also have full disclosure for listeners. I don't know if I told them yet, Cliff, or not, but I, in November I got elected to the board of directors for the IICRC, and it's my first stint with them, and I'm um, looking forward to working with Tony and all the other great board members there. And you know, something I kind of... Uh, uh, wasn't really that uh, interested in in the past, but with all the changes that you know I see with Tony and Daryl and some of the other great folks that are in charge there now, I, I thought, you know what, don't just stand on the outside and complain. See if you can't get inside and help out a little bit. Um, Tony, with that, I wanted to lead into some of the other people that, that you've seen over the last couple of years that maybe you hadn't seen in the past, some increased participation from a more diverse background of people. Maybe you could comment on that a little bit. Well, we haven't seen uh, as many on the RICRC board. We did have a gentleman from Shaw Industries, uh, technical uh, Charlie Rollins was on the board. Um, and, of course, there's you. We have lots of committee members from other associations, but where I see the biggest uh, input from across the industry is the the new council of associations, and we're actually having an election next week for uh, filling that the board for that association. We have candidates from National Wood Floor Association. The education director is one of them. We have candidates from um, a number of RCOC shareholder associations, but also from uh, the House Cleaners Association, from the Bio Recovery Association, and uh, a good number of of restorers and people that um, we haven't we haven't had a chance to get to know. So I'm I'm uh, really looking forward to seeing what's going to come out of a mix of board members from across all these different associations and what they'll bring with them. 
Well, that's something we wanted to get into in a little more detail, Tony, is the new association. Cliff, do you want to go there first, or do you, do you have another one you wanted to ask before we go there? Well, no, I, I think I'd like to ask a wider question, and then we can kind of focus it down. But, you know, as, as chairman, what are your goals? Okay, that's a, a difficult question uh, in, in the sense that, you know, I'm just the, – the, the role of the chairman is really just to lead the meetings. The, the goal – of the chairman should be to to work with the team and I've got a terrific team and I believe that the number one job of any board is strategic planning and we should be uh, discussing what we want to look like three to five years from now and in the past we read we spent too much time reading reports and you'll remember those days Cliff um, that's not the job of the board. The board should really be setting priorities. And so in January at our first uh, board meeting where we don't need to read a lot of reports, I'm asking every board member to to give us uh, a 10-minute presentation of their vision of the Institute three to five years from now. And then number two, what are the priorities to, 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 to get there? And once we've uh, heard all the presentations, we will have uh, a set of goals, and then I just want to work with the team to get those things in place. And a lot of this is just finishing up what Daryl and the previous board boards started. And as, uh, as I mentioned, there's a lot already to, to work on and to, and to complete. And one of those big things is to uh, assist with the formation and the, the startup of this new association, Tony. The, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about it? First, let's start with the proper name. Um, sometimes the names can get a little confusing here, especially with all the acronyms. Yes, you're, you're right, uh, Joe. Um, we wanted to sort of build on the RICRC brand, so... And this was a name that Daryl said had been raised 10 or 15 years ago. And so it, the, the acronym stands for International Inspection, Cleaning, Restoration Council of Associations. So this is not your typical association where every individual or firm member has a vote to elect the board. The only people that have a vote for this association of associations are the associations that joined, and so we call them affiliates. <clears throat> now, we've allowed franchises to also become affiliates, but because franchises are for-profit and much stronger financially than associations, they only can elect two of the 15 board members. So they will never dominate, but they will certainly be uh, a welcome um, to participate and to bring their resources because they ha they can bring a lot to the table. And so we right now we've got uh, a number of um, different associations. If you add up the number of eligible members, or let's put it another way, you total up the members of all the associations that have joined, it's 30,000 companies or individuals. That's a pretty big number. And when I was uh, doing some research, because I was the chairman of the Council of Associations uh, for about 10 months last year, 
And I did some some research just into the potential of, you know, who's out there and how big it is. And it, I was amazed at how big. This is just North America. Um, you came in at about uh, 98,000 before you got into the really big associations like ASHRAE, National Home Builders, National Kitchen and Bath Association, which then took it up to 350,000. And then if you just take the number of franchisees in the house cleaning, maid service, Jansen, restoration and cleaning franchises, there's another 65,000 franchisees. And this is all just North America. So that's a huge number. And if it's 400,000 North America, I don't think it's a stretch to say there's a million worldwide. We are a very important industry. What we do has directly impacts the health of every person on the planet that lives in a house or works in an office or goes to a school. And we need to get a lot more credibility and recognition for the work that we do because it is, it's very important to people's health. And we need to get that message out. And the best way to do that is if we're all speaking together through the same megaphone. My mic was off. Sorry about that. My mic was off. Cliff, do you want to follow up on that? Oh, we might have. Um, sure, okay. sure. Um, you know, one of the things that people have complained about, I, I guess, in the past, Tony, is that, you know, what voice does, if any, does a registrant or certificate have with the ICRC? Yeah, they, they 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 don't. I mean, they don't have a vote. They're a registrant. They're not a member. Um, now, as members, <clears throat> you can vote for the board of your association. Registrants, though, uh, we are now doing surveys and polling them and asking what they would like to see. And number one question, we got about 1,700 responses when we did a survey last year. And the number one request was, an association that could provide benefits. So that fit right in with what we were thinking of doing and have now done. And um, an association that's small, 100, 200, 300 members, cannot provide the same kind of benefits of one that's 30,000. And that's that's sort of the, the goal of where we're going is um, those registrants, Cliff, if they want to be a candidate for an election on the board, uh, they can. Some get elected that way, um, or they can work on committees, and they have a say on the courses being developed or the standards being developed. And and I gotta say, there's a there's a not much difference between having a vote and having a voice. With your voice, you can sway vote even if you don't have a vote. And we see that all the time. And can I have a follow-up? You know, if the members, or if, I'm sorry, if the, if the certificates, if the registrants don't really have a say, don't really have a vote, what is this certified firm business all about? And what, if any, benefits are there for being one? Well, 
you know, the professional like Pat, Pat Winters, the association professional, will tell you that really a certified firm, the referral program, that whole concept is really more uh, properly housed uh, in a, an association. It's not really the function of of a, of a college. Like, there's no referral program from your college or your high school. It's just not their job. And But there was a need, and this was done many, many years ago. And so as a certified firm, um, we have over 6,000 certified firms, which is a pretty big number. They have to meet certain uh, standards. They have to have trained technicians. They have to have verified that they have insurance. They have a documented complaints process. And then they're part of the, the, the referral or search program on our website. So if a homeowner is looking for a restorer, they can go um, punch in their zip code and they'll get the names of some certified firms. And that has been really very successful um, as far as helping homeowners find uh, certified technicians, certified firms. Um, and and it's, it's a good idea, but I'm not sure that it really is, should be part of an institute that's creating standards and um, courses. But there it is. It's been there a long time, and it may, may continue for a long time. I had a good comment from a... Um LinkedIn post that I had, Tony, and it was about the certified firm program, and and I don't know, if, I'm sure somebody can look into this down the road, but that maybe there was a way of getting a reduced rate for their insurance if they're a certified firm, you know, because they're using, you know, they're following our uh, our guidance on this, and they are uh, using certified people, etc. And you would think that that should help them get a better rate on on their insurance. I just thought it was a good comment from someone that came in it, it, it really is Joe and it's again if there's 20,000 uh, firms that are all members of an association that's exactly the kind of thing that an association can do uh, to go to insurance companies and say hey we've got 20,000 people here do you want to give us some, a discount and uh, we can help each other Great point. Great point. Okay. Um, let's also look at another quick question here. I've got a text, Tony, and this is just something that, you know, I've kind of wrestled with myself. You've got a, um, a lot of stand, well, several standards up and available, and we have a text question from a listener. Um, it's about the standards and the cost of the standards, I guess. Uh, let's see here. Yet they charge for standards downloads. Why? And I guess they're specifically talking about the current S500. I, I mean, can you talk a little bit about the cost of standards and and then, um, you know, why we have to charge for them and whether or not they're ever free, especially if there's a situation like right now where you're revising a standard? That's a, that's a good question, and it's one that we've wrestled with. Um, our standards are two, three hundred pages, um, some, uh, like AIHA standards, are more like 20 or 30 pages. And um, we've also looked at the uh, selling standards electronically, because then you don't have to print or ship 
so the cost comes down. And so um, there's, a, there's a couple of factors here, Joe. When, when you have a bestseller, you can sell those books for a lot less than if there's uh, only a 1,000 uh, printed. So the, the, the more standards we sell, the easier it is to get the price down. And one of the things that we're looking at is to, I think we've already done this, is to separate the standard itself from the reference guide. And we're also looking at creating a standard that's geared to the insurance adjuster, another one that's geared to the homeowner. These would be 5, 10, 15 page, much shorter, much cheaper, and available online. Uh, we also want to produce addendums for different countries where they have different codes and um, they use different weights and measures. So this is certainly something that's on the table. <clears throat> and um, as we get uh, the cost of producing standards will come down because every time you revise the standard, you're not starting from scratch. You're, you're starting from what went before. So the less work that goes into it, the faster we can update them. And we're also talking about a subscription where you you pay the subscription and every time there's a new revision, you just get sent that, that update. So okay. there's a number of different things that we're looking at. And um, yes, I would much prefer to sell more standards at a lower cost. And again, if we can get those standards going internationally, that will also help uh, um, to that end. All right. Well, I want to thank the listener for their text, and I want to turn it over to the Z-Man. I know he's got a couple big questions he'd like to ask. Yeah, I, I do. Thanks, Joe. Well, the ICRC has been accused of making up stuff and putting this made-up stuff into IICRC courses, and then this stuff finds its way into the standards. What, if anything, is being done to deal with the MUS or the made-up stuff? I'm glad you asked that question, uh, Cliff, because it was a pet peeve of my own <clears throat> before I came on to the uh, the board and I thought an ANSI standard meant it was science-based and because I hadn't done my homework an ANSI standard is consensus-based it is not science-based so if the majority agree that um, um, drawing blood is a, is a is a health benefit it's a treatment for any number of, of uh, ailments majority rules as our industries, cleaning and restoration, get older and get more science behind them, there will be less room for made-up stuff. And, you know, made-up stuff is, is an unkind way of saying empirical evidence. You know, I've done it this way, it works, um, it must be correct. But if that's the only way you've done your restoration work, um, you have nothing to compare. You don't know that it is actually the best. And there's a big difference between empirical evidence um, and science. The science, it's got to be repeatable. It's got to be um, peer-reviewed. And so uh, we initiated last year, um, I'm going to work hard on this one, is to work with the researchers and scientists, not just um, 
here in North America, there's an organization that uh, Dr. Spivak, Eugene Cole, and Shaughnessy are involved with, and that's the Cleaning Industry Research Institute. Mm -hmm. But there are equivalents in the UK, in Japan, in South Korea, in Australia. And I've been in touch with a lot of them, and a lot of them are going to be meeting at that Amsterdam trade show next uh, spring. And um, we want to we want to bring these people um, in, and the big vehicle for this is a technical journal, so that they have a place to publish their findings where people that use their research can read it. And so the technical journal, I think, I hope, is going to be a big piece of this, bringing more science into our standards. And so then one would hope the majority will go along with the, the science and the research. And um, there's a lot of, of science over the years in any field that has changed. And, you know, just lately I've been thinking about the global warming theory. Meanwhile, it was a uh, blast of cold air right across the country. I know that's only one year. But science is not an exact uh, field. Science changes. And standards will change as the science change. And the, the made-up stuff will, I hope, get pushed out the door. Well, you know, speaking of the standards, uh, can you comment on IICRC litigation uh, between the IICRC and former standards consultant Larry Cooper over standards development? Yeah, I, I really can't um, comment because it's in litigation. I did check with our legal counsel, um, but I, I got the answer that I expected. No comment while we're in litigation. Could you... Uh, well, who filed the suit? Did, did IICRC file the suit? Yes. Yeah, okay. That's, that's public record. Um, can you comment on, or can you tell me what was alleged in the suit? Well, it, it, it had to do, in, in broad strokes, it had to do with the two ANSI standards that we had to withdraw uh, at the, because ANSI demanded that we withdraw them. And so that's what it's all about. Um, we shouldn't have had to withdraw a standard um, if everything had been done as per um, the ANSI principles. And that's really about all I can say. Okay, that's that's fair enough, and I appreciate the uh, honesty there. Joe. All right, before we go to the roundup, and, and Tony, I, I don't know if you can stick around an extra five minutes or not, but we're it's been so much fun here, and we've got so much to talk about. We're running a little over. Um but I wanted to comment on something that, that you went across kind of briefly, and that's some of the new folks that um, you've been bringing in. I think you've been instrumental. I want to tell people right up front that you called me, asked me to help you get some people on committees that I thought were really respected and, and kind of broadened the, um, the reach of, of the IICRC. And I want to mention one in particular that I know has worked very hard, and that's Joy Finch. Joy's the director of a continuing education program for Greenville Technical College, um, and she's been in charge of the education committee for some time now. I, I want to first just thank you and and um, show you, uh, let you know how, how much I appreciate reaching out and trying to get those types of people in. Is there anyone else you'd like to mention? Well, um, I, I do want to mention Lee Pemberton and Jim Pemberton 
because they, um, I think there's nobody more respected in the industry than Lee Pemberton. Uh, he is an original shareholder. Um, he has been a constant source of encouragement, wisdom, and advice for me. Um, I think that we owe a lot of uh, great debt of gratitude to Pat Winters for getting us in line with uh, association best practices. And Millie Washington has really done a standing standout job as our standards consultant. And Joy Finch um, uh, has also uh, really helped us. We are an educational uh, institute, and we need more professionals. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. <clears throat> you know, education has been around for a very long time, and we need to get lined up with uh, best practice in the field of education, and um, as our courses become more credible, um, moving to third-party accreditation, that kind of thing, I see the day when governments around the world recognize our courses and, and start subsidizing or funding them, because that's what they do. Governments Government spent a lot of money on training to help people get employed, because they, you know, they want to get those unemployment numbers down. And the best way to do that is to train people, and uh, that would be a huge benefit to our industry, right across the spectrum. Um, that governments and states and municipalities, school boards recognize our certifications of accreditation, and we need people like Joy Finch and the academics to help us do that, along with all of our other industry partners who have the same recognition credibility issues in their specific uh, fields of endeavor. All right. What we're going to do, Tony, and we're going to go to our roundup here. Um, are you able to stick around an extra five minutes or so? Oh, no problem. Great. I, I appreciate it. We have a text question from Glenn Feldman I want to make sure we get to. I, I just saw another text question come in. So uh, Cliff and I have both agreed to forego our questions and then just go to these text questions. So we'll be right back with Dr. Dietrich Wow. He'll say hello real quick and have a few comments, and then we'll finish up with our interview with Tony Wheelwright, the new chair of the IICRC. Move him on, hit him up, hit him up, move him on, move him on, hit him up, raw high. Cut him out, ride him in, ride him in, let him out, cut him out, ride him in, raw. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's say hello to Dr. Dietrich Wow real quick here. Say hello. How was Mexico? All's well. You're back in the uh, uh, everything was well. The uh, uh, certainly there was some global warming in Mexico. <laughs> oh, no, it was normal and it was nice. No problem at all. But 
Yeah, uh, Tony. Tony's background is just about as crazy as mine. I don't speak with an Indian accent because I was too little when I left India, and I lived in England and I lived in France and in Germany. Obviously, that's where my German accent comes from, and I've never lived anywhere longer than in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Pretty boring. Anyway. Uh, I um, a, a couple of good questions came up, and we got to be very careful. Um, Tony mentioned that they are looking at quote a couple of standards end quote uh, from how should I say respected uh, agencies, and all of a sudden we find out. You know, wow, we always thought that was terrific, but it really isn't all that good. And when we, when IRCRC should put out standards, I can just see that they will be misused uh, by lawyers. And people say, hey, said, you didn't follow it to the point, and therefore, whatever you did is absolutely wrong. You owe me a million dollars, which is absolutely not true. Um, I worked with many standards in Europe and uh, in the United States and in Canada and in Mexico and in, good God, where else, in uh, Dominican Republic and the Bahamas. And yeah, they're, they're a good guide, but don't don't put handcuffs on my back, and uh, I can't do anything. And I hear this thing. But Niosh says there are a couple of things that I know better than Niosh will ever know, and uh, that has nothing to do that they are a bad organization. But don't tell me that they are 100%. Nobody is 100%. Well, you know, and there was a comment I want to add here earlier. The current S500 that's out for revision is, is a proposed standard. One of the listeners texted, you know, make sure that if you do download that and, and you want to put in some comments on it, that it's not the final and, and don't use it as such. So it's a, it's a- well, I have nothing. I have nothing. Uh, against uh, training. My, uh, I've been teaching for my whole professional life. That is wonderful. And um, uh, uh, yes, let's, 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 let it be, we heard that cliche, a living uh, document. And we, it, I have nothing against guidelines. And uh, sometimes guidelines make sense, and sometimes they're absolutely stupid. Stupid. We have a law in Pennsylvania. Most Pennsylvanians don't know that. I learned that many, many years ago. You are required to turn on your uh, turn signal when you go out of your driveway. Now, I would like to know who does that. <laughs> is that, is that a rule? Yes, it is. You can get a moving ticket for it. Does it make sense? It's absolutely ridiculous. When I get out of my driveway, I look to the left and I look to the right. In Australia, I would look to the right and then to the left. And uh, I see that there's nobody there. Why the heck would I? There is nobody behind me in the driveway who needs to know whether I go to the left or to the right. Uh, That is one of the things. The other thing, I quit uh, three organizations. Uh, because I didn't like where they were going. I didn't like their philosophy. I didn't like the way they were running. I said, look, I don't need them. And uh, I'm at the end of my career, and 
even though my cardiologist, whom I saw yesterday, told me that I'm still alive, which I guess is good news. I think so. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I think we got to watch out with these standards that they are used in the way we write them and we want them to be used. And I don't know, I mean, should we put disclaimers in here? You know, these are standards which have worked in 80%, in 90%, in 95% of the situations. Comma. However, there may be situations which I, have, I, I, I make that up, which may have something to do with height or temperature or what have you. Uh, uh, where they may not be applicable, and uh, professional judgment would then be a guide to finish the job correctly. Tony so, comment on that, Dieter. Give me a second here. Tony, I mean, do you want to comment on that real quick? I know that the standards have wording like that in them. I, I agree with Dieter. A standard can be a two-edged sword, and we have to be very, very careful with uh, with the words where we're suggesting a best practice versus you must do this because that's the standard. And that's why science is so important, as I mentioned earlier. That's why we have the references. And another thing that I'd like to add to, to support Dita's view is that if the standards are online uh, available electronically, you can much more quickly make updates and change things as new science comes out. Um, yep. Yep. And, and I, I, I understand what he's saying. Um, I'm not an expert on standards or on, on restoration, which is where it's probably more critical than uh, some of the other standards. But Tony, I, I think me... that's a good point, Dieter. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, you said it before, and I mean, I have absolutely no problem with this. And I, I'm 100% for education. And I think even in these classes, we should make it clear. is that, guys, this has worked in many, many, many situations. However, there are situations where it may not be applicable. You may be doing something wrong. You got to keep your, you know, don't, don't have the uh, blindfolds on and say, hey, I heard this and that's the only way we do it. Doesn't make sense. Dieter, let me go to another question here. I'll bring you right back. And I, because I oh, think no this problem is, at all. I think this is one you'll like. Uh, we had an earlier text, Tony, from Glenn Fellman, actually. He was asking about the new technical journal. Your IICRCA, I believe, is, is going to produce a peer-reviewed technical journal for the cleaning and restoration industry starting in early 2014, as I understand it. And he's asking, what's, what's it going to be like? What, what's the goal on this one? Okay. Uh, it's... Uh we're hoping the first issue will come out February 2014. It will be an institute publication, not the association. Okay. Because it is the institute that's creating the standards and the courses. And it's really a vehicle um, to allow academics and researchers and scientists to have a place to publish and reach the people that use their science and research. And um, it's, it's going to be right across all the different uh, disciplines that we teach or write standards for. And um, we'll know uh, in six months what it looks like. A lot depends on the, the type of uh, articles we get, 
um, and what subjects. Um, and I would say initially it's it's a work in progress. I have a great deal of uh, faith in John Downey, who was uh, founded the Clean Facts magazine. He knows a lot about the publishing industry, and he this has uh, been something that's that he's wanted to see for a decade. And and I agree with him. It works right in with um, our uh, our other endeavors, writing standards and courses, and bringing in uh, academics um, from research institutes and and scientists. Ties back so, to Clifford. Yeah, yeah, it's really to connect the dots between the the guy in the flooded basement and the guy doing the research. And Cliff, I know you had another question, and then we'll get back with Dieter. No, I, re- I really didn't. I was going to just ask one of the, um, the you know, the, the ones that uh, guests put, our listeners posted in, John. Good. Go for it. Um, no, no, I'm, I'm good. I, oh, okay, I okay. A- Let's get back to Dieter. Any final thoughts, Dieter? Uh, no, certainly. Uh, I like Tony's remarks. we got to be careful and, uh, you know, don't go overboard. Uh, I, I certainly do agree with him that we have a worldwide need for this type of activity, for this type of science, for this type of research, for this type of medical care. And you know, right now, it's, it's, uh, there, there are a lot of facets to it. Perhaps uh, like many, many years ago when the American Industrial Hygiene Association was founded, and there were there were standards, there were guidelines, and there was no OSHA, there was obviously no uh, NIOSH, and there were a couple of people. Fortunately, I had some of them as my teachers who started this whole business, and I think every one of them, dead or alive, would agree with me that whatever they said was, you know, fantastic information that people needed and didn't have and made uh, many mistakes before they, because they didn't know any better. And I think we are at this stage over here, and I think uh, uh, Tony's thoughts for the future are wonderful. Well, good. I'm glad you feel that way, Dieter, and it's always a pleasure to have you back with us here on the show. It's uh, seldom that I agree with somebody, right? <laughs> <laughs> You're pretty good on this. Well, hey. I'm glad to hear that, Dieter. And I wanted to just tie in something. I first met Glenn Fellman when he uh, was the uh, the first executive director of a, a little uh, kitchen exhaust cleaning association that I was one of the original members on. And our whole focus was on the... Uh, National Fire Prevention Association, NFPA 96. All right. And um, it's seen a lot of changes once the people doing the work got a hold of that standard because um, it wasn't complete. NFPA is is recognized around the world. It is a U.S.-based standard-setting body. And uh, their standards whether it's electrical or fire prevention or uh, any number of things, are almost universal. And we have an opportunity by all working together in this industry to create courses and standards that are universally recognized around the world because it doesn't matter what country you are in. If you have mold in your basement, it's not political. It's a health issue. 
and we need to we need to think worldwide. Well, Tony, I normally finish by asking if there's anything you'd like to add or anything we missed. Um, I thought that was a great summary, but just in case, is there anything else that we missed? No, I, I really think that the, the, the focus, all these different associations that I've talked to, a lot of them, if you look at their mission statement, you'll see two words, health and safety, cleaning and health, health and cleaning. And to me... That's the, that's the key. That's the focus to everything that we all do. It's, a, it's about a nice place to live and work and go to school in. And, um, no, I don't have anything to add. I, I really have enjoyed this and appreciate the questions and the opportunity to answer them. All right. Well, this is Radio Joe Hughes saying thanks so much to this week's guest, the new IICRC chairman, Tony Wheelwright. I appreciate you spending some time with us and our listeners calling in from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. It's nice to have a, you know, that's a question, I guess, Cliff. Have we ever had another chair from outside of the United States for IICRC? Um, I think that you did. Uh, Do you know, Tony? Well, I think Paul Pierce was chairman, yes. And Carrie Vermeulen. And Carrie Vermeulen from Canada, one from Canada and one from the U.K. Okay. Truly an international organization. Yeah. All right. Well, again, thanks, Tony, for joining us. We appreciate it and hope we can get you back uh, next year once some – uh, you know, once we get beyond the uh, grand opening of the building and some of the other new events that are occurring here next year and, and the first uh, edition of the new uh, – the new research and uh, scientific uh, journal that's coming out. Uh, I'd love to get you back. All right. Thanks very much. Thank Joe. you. And this is also, I want to also thank the D, the Z man, Cliff. Great job. Boy, a lot of Always a pleasure, Joe. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. A lot of good text. People seem very happy. Got a couple emails already. Great show. I also want to thank our technical director, Dr. Dietrich Wow, for joining Anytime, us. anytime. Always good to have you, Dieter. We'll be in touch soon. And, of course, at the controls, Jessica Lawson. I think we did it, Jess. Uh, we had a few worries about a couple of little items that have come up here recently, but she pulled it off. And, of course, our growing group of loyal listeners. Please come back next Friday for the next episode of IAQ Radio. You've been- 